So we are continuing our sermon series, uh, a tour of the national parks in our Parks and Recreation sermon series. We began with the sunrise over Acadia National Park on the far eastern edge of the United States, the first place to see the new day. And Pastor Emily reminded us that our God is continually creating and making new beginnings for our lives. Last week, we went all the way over to the west coast and we visited Mount Rainier, and we were reminded that God's glory is continually being revealed to us in the different ways that that mountain looks and also in the merriment of Vacation Bible School. Well, this Sunday, we are visiting Arches National Park. Arches was declared a national monument in 1929 and in 1971 was declared a national park but it was a sacred space for indigenous people for millennia before that time. In fact, it was first settled by the Fremont and Pueblan people, and then later by the Ute and uh, Paiute people as well. And they saw this space as sacred. They imagined these rock spires as sentient beings yeah, as sentient beings that would protect and provide for the people. And they would see these arches as portals through time and space. And to this day, they are still important places for their tribal worship. In order to form these arches, though, there are four ingredients that need to happen. First, you need lots of sand and salt And this basin area was covered by seas repeatedly in the formation of the continent. The third thing you need is water. Because when you have these miles of salt and sand that are built up as the tectonic pressure pushes up on the rock, cracks emerge and water seeps through these cracks, dissolving the salt and leaving these ridge fins of sandstone. The fourth thing you need, though, is time eons and eons of erosion, millions of years that erode away the softer stone revealing the arch of this magical place. The thing is, though, in the sense of geological time, these arches are ephemeral. They fall. And in 2008, the mighty wall arch fell. And this led geologists and engineers to try to figure out the structural integrity of all of the remaining arches. So the way they did this was that they put little seismometers on each side of the arch. And as they recorded the waving of the arch back and forth, the little wiggles and giggles that the arch made, they got frequencies that we hear in this video. These frequencies are sped up 25 times and they reveal this song that the arch sings. The most amazing thing is that all of these arches have unique songs. Listen to this song of the Moonshine Arch. You can hear those stones literally joining their voices with creation. 
You can listen to a collection of these, by the way, on a website that's curated by Jeff Moore uh, at the University of Utah. And I will put a link up on our Facebook and Instagram pages if you want to check that out later this week. But this morning, as we celebrate summer and the longest days of the year, a time when creation is bursting forth with wildflowers and perfect peaches and homegrown tomatoes, I want to consider how we can better attune ourselves to creation's song and how we might be inspired to join in that chorus. So will you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, still our minds that we may listen, tune our ears that we may hear, and open our hearts that we may know your word for us today, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture lesson today is Psalm 48. It's one of the Alleluia Psalms at the very, begin, very end of the scroll of Psalms. Hallelujah means praise the Lord in Hebrew. And all of these five last Psalms in that book are all extolling creation to sing praises to God and encouraging everyone to join in that song. So as we read Psalm 142, listen for God's word for you this morning. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from heaven. Praise him in the heights. Praise him all his angels. Praise him all his hosts. Praise him sun and moon. Praise him all you shining stars. Praise him you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He established them forever and ever. He fixed their bounds, which cannot be passed. Praise the Lord from the earth, ye sea monsters in all deeps, fire and hail, snow and frost, stormy wind fulfilling his command. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animal and cattle, creeping things and flying birds, kings of all the earth and all people, princes and all rulers of earth, young men and women alike, old and young together. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people, praise for all his faithful, for the people of Israel who are close to him, praise the Lord. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, science has revealed what the psalmist described so long ago, and that is that the stars and the sun and the moon and nebula all sing their praises to God. Listen to this wonderful song that's sung by the Karin Nebula. This music was produced by taking the infrared frequencies from the dust and gas of this nebula and transcribing them into notes that make this beautiful chorus. Hallelujah from the heavens. Praise the Lord, sun and moon. Hallelujah, you shining stars. 
Psalm 48 calls all of creation to praise the Creator. Fire and storm, hills and mountains, shrubs and tall trees, wild beasts and domesticated cattle. Even sea monsters are called to join in that call. And did you know that sea monsters can sing their song and it can be heard, well, whales at least, can sing their song that can be heard for thousands of miles below the surface of the water. Did you know also that earthworms, we always thought that they were silent. Well, they actually make small little staccato sounds that we were only able to hear just recently. The Kansas State bird, not the Jayhawk, of course, but the meadowlark, has over 300 different notes in its song. Praise the Lord, ye creeping things and you flying birds. Did you know that the sing a single hydrogen atom has more frequencies than a grand piano? Or that the outer shell of electrons in a carbon atom has the same harmonic frequencies as Gregorian chants? Every day, in every moment, we are surrounded by these ultrasonic sounds, songs outside of our realm of hearing. And the psalmist is calling us to join in that song. All rulers, all princes, all men and women, young and old alike, all are called to join in creation's chorus because we are all God's creatures, each and every one of us, and there are no exceptions. We are created to join with all of creation in this praise of our Creator. You know, our Reformed tradition audaciously proclaims that this is our chief end. This is our reason for life. This is our purpose of being, to glorify God and enjoy God forever. Or as John Calvin reminded his congregation and ours during a over 10 sermon long series on the book of Corinthians, he said that there is not one blade of grass, there's no color in the world that is not intended to make us rejoice. Friends, I encourage you this week to go out and experience that nature because our connection to creation, we don't have to go to a national park. We can go right outside. We can go right outside our doors and experience that connection to creation. I encourage you to take some time, maybe in the cool of the evening, to go take a walk or just sit outside and release whatever has been, you have been carrying through the day the stress of that day, the things left undone, the worries of tomorrow, frustration or anger or anxiety. Because when we put these things down, we can pick up that tune of creation. When we look and listen with gratitude and wonder, we will notice the beauty all around us. We will hear creation's praise and the, the songs of birds and the calls of cicadas and the caress of the breeze in every breath and in every heartbeat. Friends, in this presence, we are connected with creation and are drawn near to our crea creator. 
This connection is not only meant to rejuvenate us, but it's meant to nurture our compassion and our empathy. It calls us to be mindful of our consumption and our place, not seeing ourselves above nature, but connected with that chorus singing God's praise. Perhaps this is what drew those first people to that sacred space at Arches National Park. And maybe this is what draws us ever near to our Creator when we are connected to that creation. In our gospel accounts, in Jesus' life, when things are hectic, when he's tired, when he's frustrated, when he just needs a break, Jesus so often leaves his friends and goes off to spend time alone in creation. Perhaps this allows him to rejuvenate. Perhaps those vibrations, those unheard songs fill his soul and his spirit. Perhaps this is what allows him to resist those temptations in the wilderness. Perhaps this is why, in his most dire hour, he came to a garden to be connected with that creation and his creator. So this week, I hope that you will spend some time with creation, connecting with God through that, connection, through that creation. I hope that you will listen with gratitude and wonder to creation's song all around you, and that you will join in that praise with your care and compassion for all of God's creatures, for all of those people, and for yourself.